You're listening to Calvary La Habra's podcast. For more information, visit us at calvarylh.com. Thanks for listening. Here in Ecclesiastes chapter 8, um, Solomon, in chapter 7 and 8, he has been really talking about the topic of wisdom. And um, he's discussing the importance of wisdom and really considering does does wisdom, if we apply wisdom to our life, and really, again, wisdom is not the accumulation of knowledge. Biblical wisdom is um, it's the proper use of knowledge. And when we look at the knowledge that we're talking about, we're talking about the knowledge of God, the knowledge of His ways, the knowledge of His Word, the knowledge of His will for our life. When we apply that, we live that out, that then is wisdom. So, um, Solomon, of course, is looking at life, this man of great wisdom, that God given him a big dose of wisdom, and, um, and he's considering the world as he knows it, um, the ongoings of the world, life under the sun, S-U-N, and he is considering it, and part of his writings in Ecclesiastes have to do with him just considering life without God in the equation. And he basically keeps coming to the same conclusion, it's vanity. And then when he brings God into the equation, um, he says that's where meaning and that's where fulfillment is, is found in life as we live it under the sun. But uh, in these chapters, again, he's just honing in on wisdom. And um, in chapter 8, the focus is a little bit more on um, his considering the value of wisdom in light of, of the evil that is in the world. Um, nobody denies that there is evil in the world. I think uh, everybody that we talk to these days, we're going to you know, find them that they agree that there is evil um, in the world, even those who do not believe in God. They have to accept that there is evil in the world, and they have to place the origin of evil on something. They have to place it on themselves. They've got to place it on faith. They've got to place it on something. And the, the atheist, the person who doesn't believe in God, also has to do the same with good. They must also find a source for good. Where does all the good come from in this world? But those of us who believe in God, we believe in the God of the Bible, we believe that he is a good God, that he is a loving God, we, we too must face the, the difficult questions that have to do with evil in our world. Does God know about it? Does God care about it? Oftentimes we see it and we're like, God, why don't you do something about it? Solomon didn't deny the existence of God. Solomon did not deny the existence of evil, nor did he limit God and his power and his ability as it related to evil. He realized that one of the major sources of evil is related to the fall. Much of the evil is related to fallen man and his many devices. He even closed off chapter 7 talking about that. This is what Solomon was saying. Truly this only I have found, that God made man upright, but they have sought out many schemes. He's like, I'm looking at man. I see one good thing about man, that God made them. <laughs> God made Adam. He made him upright. But then Adam, of course, he, he fell. There was the fall and and he disobeyed God, of course, and now all men are sinners, is how he concludes that chapter, saying, 
you know, sinners who seek out many clever schemes or evil inventions. So we know that we can't blame God for that. And you're going to hear people say from time to time, you know, that they, they, they question us, or they question our God that we follow, our, our, our Bible that we read and we follow. And they're going to they're going to question him and question the word and question us as Christians when they see evil surface. I've seen people mad at God because a loved one has died and, and, and that they're questioning him. Well, you know, why didn't God step in? Why didn't God intervene? I've seen people that are very upset at God because their parents have split up. Why doesn't God stop that divorce? <laughs> well, he didn't start it. <laughs> Some people even questioning God when war breaks out. Why doesn't God stop it? Again, a good answer would be he didn't start it. And this is, this is the point that Solomon is going to drive home. He's going to explore the problem of evil in the world, and he's going to do it by examining um, three, uh, excuse me, three key areas in life. We're probably going to have time to get through one, and that is authority. So look with me at verse 1 here. And it says, who is like a wise man? And who knows the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom makes his face shine, and the sternness of his face is changed. I say, keep the king's commandment for the sake of your oath to God. Do not be hasty to go from his presence. Do not take your stand for an evil thing, for he does whatever pleases him. Where the word of a king is, there's power. And who may say to him, what are you doing? He who keeps his command will experience nothing harmful. And a wise man, his heart discerns both time and judgment. Because for every matter there is a time and judgment. Though the mystery of man increases greatly. For he does not know what will happen. So who can tell him when it will occur? No one has power over the spirit to retain the spirit, and no one has power in the day of death. There is no release from the war, or from that war, and wickedness will not deliver those who are given to it. He starts off in verse 1, and he, he's like, who is like a wise man, and, and who knows the interpretation of a thing? A, a man... A man who's wise, a man's wisdom makes his face shine, and the, the sternness of his face is changed. Solomon's talking about a wise man. Actually, it ties into these next verses. A wise man or a wise, a wise leader. And that a wise man or a wise leader, he knows how to discern the situations of life. He knows that if he steps into a, a difficult situation, or an alarming situation. He, he, he knows that, that, that there are, you know, there, there's body language and there's facial expression. There's tone in his language. There's body language overall that everybody is watching because he is a man of authority. He's a man that can weigh in on this circumstance that has everybody Intense and anxious. A wise man can size up situations and he can act accordingly. 
A wise man or a wise leader, he, he can step into a, a serious situation. And he knows that, that, that the people are affected by that serious situation. A wise leader knows that he needs to be measured, that he needs to be restrained when he engages people that are anxious because of that situation. He knows the last thing that people need to see in a leader, someone that they're looking up to in a very serious situation, he knows the last thing they need to see is is that leader to walk in with a stern, serious face. A wise man puts on a face that shines, Solomon says. In, In his wisdom, he smiles. He gives a look that does not alarm people. He gives a look that actually calms them down. He's describing a man of authority. As you go through these next few verses, it sounds like an officer in the the royal court. We need to keep in mind when we talk about these eastern rulers of his day that that a lot of them were heavy-handed dictators. They held the power of life and, and death in their hands, and they often used that power quite impulsively. They were not elected by their people, so they were not answerable to their people. Some of the leaders were benevolent dictators, but most of them were tyrants who permitted nothing or no one to stand in the way of of what they desired to do. And so this individual that Solomon brings as an example, this Let's call him an officer in the royal court. It seems like he's, he's carrying out the orders of a dictator. He's living under the authority of this dictator, and, and, and he's carrying out orders of this dictator. A dictator, again, just remember, that would be very feared by the people. But as he carries out his orders, as he lives under the authority of the government of his day, under the king, if you will, of his day, he, he, is, he is a man of wisdom. He is a man that, that, as he carries out his duties, wisdom marks his life. Wisdom is on his face. And then Solomon seems to offer some advice to this guy, and it, it, it's applicable to all of us. In verse 2, he says, I say, keep the king's commandment for the sake of your oath to God. What is Solomon doing here? Solomon is commanding obedience on the fact that government is an institution of God. This man, this wise man, this officer, must be, must be true to his oath. And, and it's an oath of allegiance to his, to his king and to God who, of course, Solomon knows, and the Bible clearly presents, is the source of all authority in the world. A wise man, a wise leader, under authority, man, he recognizes this. To disobey orders would be breaking his promise to his ruler and to his God, and a wise man would know that those can present Serious consequences. So, keep the king's command for the sake of your oath to God. Then, 
in verse 3, <coughs> excuse me, do not, do not be hasty to go from his presence. Do not take your stand for an evil thing, for he does whatever pleases him. Remember the, remember the, 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 the reach of the king's authority is what he's saying. You've got to understand. You've got to recognize the, the authority of this king, that, that he does whatever pleases him. A wise man will recognize that in that day. No one can question him. The law in that day could find no guilty, nothing guilty in the king. The king could do no wrong. And so the, the idea is that a wise man will keep his cool with authority. I remember um, going to our, the, the city hall and I was going to... Um, the planning desk to check out some plans that they were working on years past. And, and um, I knew some of the people in the county, or the, the city here, excuse me, and as I was standing in line, the guy in front of me, he had a, a set of plans, he had them rolled out, and there were some, some codes that the, you know, the planning officials, these people that are appointed by the city, these people who have authority over us, and they were helping this guy understand that part of the plans that he had drawn up did not fall in line with some of the city codes. And so they, they pulled out the code book, which is a book of authority. It's official. And then they were like, like showing the guy, hey, look, your plans do not line up with this code. And they read it case in point. And the guy just got really upset. He rolled up his plans and he just kind of said some very unkind things and he just kind of marched out. And, and, and I just looked at the guy behind the counter. I was next. I looked at the guy behind the counter. His face was red. And I thought, you know, that really didn't help the guy at all to show that kind of behavior towards authority in his life. I remember as well one time I was trying to get back home on a Saturday night speaking somewhere and I got stuck in... In San Francisco's airport, there was a, a fog that hit, and I, I didn't know if I could make it back, and so I, I was being shifted around from one gate to another, and as I got to this one gate, there was some talk about uh, the fog lifting and that they would be, uh, that there were some seats that were being made available, and uh, you know, just go over to this gate, and as I went over to the gate, I, I was standing there, and to the gate they assigned me to go to, and there were, there were two people in front of me. And, and I just remember this, this really sweet lady that worked for the airline standing there, and she was trying to explain to them that the seats are opening up, but she can't tell them what time the plane would take off. Now, to some degree, she carried some weight. She carried some authority. And both these people, number one and two, got red-faced, became rude, just said their peace to her, made her feel horrible, and they like turned around and walked away. I walked up, and that's all I said there is I said, ma'am, I, I just want you to know you handled that very well. And she goes, oh, well, thank you very much. What's your name? I go, Lance Cook. And she just looked down, pushed it, and she handed me a ticket. <laughs> wisdom. A <laughs> little bit of wisdom might get you home on time. In verse 4, even if you, you spoke up with your concerns as it related to this man and the wisdom that he would have to show, you've got to understand 
that the, that the king's word will always have more power than his subjects. It will always prevail. A wise man would understand that. And then in verse 5, he who, who keeps his command will experience nothing harmful. A wise man understands that obedience and respect is, is like the safest policy. A wise man is going to avert harm. A wise man, a wise leader, this, this officer should obey orders so that he might even avoid punishment, a, a punishment that could, in his day and age, even cost him his life. Thus, a wise man's heart discerns both time and judgment. Verse 6, because for every matter there is a time and judgment. In dealing with authority, Solomon says the wise man, he's going to be wise with his timing and he's going to be wise with what he does. There's a good time to bring something up. There's a bad time to bring something up. If you're married with me, would you agree? Amen. Not married to me, married like I married to Lori, yes. If you're married, yeah. Fix that on that study. That was weird. The wise person would know the best course of action. A wise person thinks through when circumstances aren't going the best. They're, 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 they're collected. They're gathered. There's restraint. They're thinking through what they should do and the best time to do it. We look at the life of Joseph in the book of Genesis, and, and we know that, man, Joseph, this guy whose brothers had basically thrown him into a pit and then cast him into just the hands of people that didn't even know them, he would end up in Egypt. And, and you know, there would be this, this series of, of months and years where all of this that would befall him was the result of his brothers just, just casting their little brother off. And through a series of events, the, the famine and whatnot, the, the brothers would eventually, you know, come around. I was reading about this even recently, and I had a note in my Bible, and I was asking God to give me the heart of forgiveness that Joseph displayed to his brothers. And it's just a, just a note I had in my Bible, and I was like, Lord, give me that heart. Give me that heart, the loving heart. But there would be the right time. There would be the right place. There would be the right setting where, where, where Joseph would be able to reveal his identity. As they would come back, they didn't know that he would come like second to Pharaoh in Egypt. They didn't realize that God had you know, elevated him to a place of prominence and to a great place of authority. But for, but for Joseph, his brothers meant something to him. His family meant something to him. His father meant something to him. And he was a great man of wisdom that was poised. He was collected. He was gathered. And, and, and although maybe months and even years prior, he could have you know, done whatever he wanted to do in that position of authority to deal with what his brothers had done to him, that was not in his heart. He was a, a, a man of great wisdom. And there would come a day 
the right day, at the right time, in the right way, he would reveal his identity. I'm Joseph. Don't worry. <laughs> I know what you've done. I'm not going to hold it against you. And, and, and God would use that great act of wisdom in a very restorative way with the family. You think about Nehemiah who was given that a crazy responsibility to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. He was not sure. He had this burden. He's the king's cupbearer. He's not sure that, that he could even go and leave and be able to go and, and fulfill this burden that God has put on his heart to, to deal with the plight of the people in the nation of Israel. But he waited. You go through Nehemiah 1 and 2 and you can see the patience of this man. The wisdom, the patience. There's just the, the turning to God. He's a, he's a collected man. He's a gathered man. And at the right time, on the right day, the right occasion had arose. And he was able to talk to a pagan king about what God had put in his heart. And even as the king began to talk to him, he was able to, to pray and like really seek God in the matter. And, and, and favor was granted to him. Oh, the favor that comes to the man that is wise. Daniel, he was a prisoner of war in a pagan land. He refused to eat the unclean food that was set before him. He didn't make a big scene about it. He exercised constraint. He was gentle. He was, he was wise. He, he, his wisdom was like just, hey, he suggested that the guards would, would permit the Jews to to experiment with a different diet. And that plan, of course, worked out. And, and, and Daniel and his friends were able to keep themselves ceremonial clean. But they were promoted at the same time because of that wisdom. In Acts 4 and 5, Peter and John, they exercised great wisdom, very collected, when they found themselves before the religious Leaders, the rulers and the scribes and Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and their, their family members who just had, had them arrested because on Solomon's porch they, they, were, they were preaching about Jesus because they were used to help raise this lame man from the dead in Acts chapter 3 and, and, and people were just tripping out about that and a crowd had gathered because of that and they were pointing everybody to Jesus going, hey, it's not us. It's not because of us or our power that this man stands before you. It's, and they just used the opportunity to preach Jesus. And they were arrested for that. And they found themselves now, now placed before these religious leaders. And you go through the account and you're like, man, this is so unfair. It's so unjust. But they, they handled themselves in a very wise manner. They allowed themselves to be taken in. They allowed themselves to be questioned. When, when they said to, to them, by what power or by what name have you done this? We don't see Peter jumping up in the flesh. It actually says, no, we see Peter being filled with the Holy Spirit. And he speaks at a proper time, in a proper way, with great words of wisdom. It's like rulers. You guys that rule over these people. He recognized their authority. He's like, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to this helpless man, just let it be known. 
It wasn't us. And he began to preach Jesus to them. And that wisdom was seen. The wisdom that Christ gave them, the wisdom of Christ within them was seen. It says after they spoke, it says now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they, they, they perceived that they were untrained and uneducated men, but they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. And if you have any compliment given to your life, may that be the compliment that goes with your life. Again, the wise person knows the best course of action and when to apply it. The proper time and the proper way to go about it. Verse 6, such wisdom is necessary because it says there in the latter part of verse 6, the misery of man increases greatly. In other words, people under authority are unhappy and, and become frustrated because they are ignorant of what will happen and when it will happen. Let me give you an example. When I was 15 and a half, I got my first real job. I had an illegal job before that as a kitchen dishwasher, but uh, I'll talk about that at a later, later time. My first one was I got hired at 15 and a half, and I was a box boy at Market Basket. Man, I couldn't wait to start work, and I was so excited. And after about, I don't know, maybe a, a few months on the job, I realized on the break and hanging around with all the box boys that, that all the box boys knew everything. How many of you guys know at 16, 15, 16, you know everything? We thought we knew everything. And because we thought we knew everything, it, it gave us license to talk about authority in a disrespectful way. I can remember many conversations where we'd be like, man, I can't believe. And then we'd list off all the lame things that management had come up with for our store. Because we were 16 and we knew better. But years later, as I would grow up and become a bit more wise. I myself found myself in a managerial role. I found myself becoming a key carrier, if that is an important term. There you have it. I was, I was now sitting down with those managers. I was sitting down in manager meetings, and I was beginning to hear the why behind what they did in running the store. <laughs> and, and, I, and I realized that, man... The reason I was so frustrated in those early days is I didn't have a clue how to run a store. I was not exposed to the facts. I was not exposed to the, the wisdom <laughs> of all of these men and women who have went before us for many years and learned the, the, the do's and the don'ts of the grocery business. A wise person will rest in the fact that they don't know all of the facts like those in authority in their life. Verse 7, for he does not know what will happen, so who can tell him when it will occur? A leader. As we look at leaders, no, no leader can accurately over and over predict the future. Only God can do that. And, and sometimes people put unrealistic expectations on their leaders, and they get you know, all upset with them, like I did in the grocery business. Why did they do this, or why did they do that? They should have known this, or they should have known that. Every leader has limitations, though. And not being able to predict the future is one of those limitations. 
And having leaders that are aware of that is important. Having leaders aware that they are not God is very important. Amen? That's why we should be praying for and voting for, when we have opportunities, leaders that fear God. Leaders that believe in God. Leaders that are going to, you know, follow God's word and write legislation and, and promote legislation that represents our God and the convictions of, of his word. Look at how our government has presented themselves to our nation in recent years. Not all, but many elected officials have done their best to remove God and his authority out of the equation when it comes to our country. And when you, you convince people that God's authority needs to be removed, and instead they, they, you, know, you actually do things that remove that authority, then all of a sudden they're going to look to you. They're going to look to your party, your godless legislation, and your, your authority. And so don't be surprised if they start putting unrealistic expectations on you. But fallen man can never meet those expectations unless fallen man turns to a holy, righteous God and begins to depend on him. But because many in our government do not do that, they've, they've set themselves up for unrealistic expectations from their citizens and they have set the people living in our country up for great disappointment. Verse 8, no one has power over the spirit to retain the spirit and no one has power in the day of death. There is no release from that war and wickedness will not deliver those who are given into it. The wise man, the, the, the wise leader will understand that that no man can escape the consequences of wickedness. Just as no one has power over the spirit to retain the spirit, or just as no man has the power to postpone, postpone excuse me, the day of their death, so no man has the ability to escape the consequences of his own wickedness. All this... Solomon says, I have seen and applied my heart to every work that is done under the sun. There's a time in which one man rules over another to his own ruin or his own hurt. Now, as Solomon's considering these things, he's considering a wise man or a wise leader. And he's, he's considering the world in which he lives in. He's, he's considering the evil of the world, and he's considering authority and, 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 and how wisdom is to be applied and lived out in an evil world where evil might even be permeating to those who are in positions of authority. He's thinking deeply about these things. He, he applied his heart to these things, and he realized, he's like, hey, this is... This was part of life on the earth. Life lived under the sun. He just thought about this. And he's like, man, I, this is it. Evil is 
It's everywhere. It's part of the curse. It's part of the fall and the, 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 the earth under the sun that we live in. It's part of life when you take God out of the equation. This is what evil does. This is what evil looks like. And then he brings, again, wisdom into that and, and how wisdom has to navigate through that. The wise person is to navigate through all that. He's thinking deeply about these things. He realizes that God is good. He realizes that God has allowed human government. And he, he realizes that a wise person will recognize that and respect that. He, he recognizes that a fallen world that sees evil We'll, we'll see it permeated to every part of society. And when evil is advanced and, and evil is not confronted by those in authority, people get hurt. There is a time in which one man rules over another to his own hurt. He's hurting mankind. He's like, a wise man recognizes this. A wise man recognizes the order of this. The wise man will... will Will not will will recognize this and learn, listen, to live a life of submission in the midst of this. They're going to be respectful towards government and and all who are in authority over their life. The wise men will realize that that there are those in government that are righteous, and he's going to realize that that there's those in government, those with authority, that are actually unrighteous, and they're going to harm others. So governments might not be ideal, but he, he, he recognizes the place of them, and he recognizes that a wise person should find a, a way to show respect and honor to them. Great insights. To recap, the wise man understands that God is good and evil is part of this fallen world, even part of human government. The wise man will recognize this and, and conduct himself in an appropriate manner. The wise man or even the, the wise leader will not alarm those they oversee. They're going to be a calming influence. The wise man will be obedient to government, knowing that government is an institution of God. The wise man will obey and respect those in authority. He will avert harm. The wise man will be wise with his tongue. In dealing with authority, he will be wise with his, with his timing and bringing things up. The wise man knows the best course of action and when to apply it. The wise man rests in the fact that they don't know all of the facts like those who are in authority over their lives. The wise man is aware that no leader can accurately predict the future. They are not God. Thus, he will not put unrealistic expectations on leaders in a fallen world. The wise man or the wise leader will understand that no man can escape the consequences of his wickedness. That's sobering. A wise man, he knows that. The wise man or the wise leader, listen, will ponder these things 
just like Solomon, they will apply their heart to these things and they'll realize this was part of life on the earth or life lived under the sun. We were going through our studies on human government in 1 Peter chapter 2, where Peter there was saying in verse 13, you know, listen, therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of man. And he says this, this is important. Living in this cursed fallen world, same principle, for the, you, you do this for the Lord's sake. You do this for the Lord's sake. It's, it's his way of saying, you know, you're being almost Christ-like when you're doing this. You're bringing, you're shining a, a positive light on the Lord because he lived in submission to his Father. He's the one that established, you know, you know government. In, in Romans chapter 13, it says, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinances of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. He's like, listen, rulers are not a terror to, to, to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be afraid of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. Again, Peter, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to king as supreme or governors or to those who who are sent by him for punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God. And by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Listen, we're living at a day and a time. We're authority, <laughs> by and large. It's, just, it's being minimized. It's being undermined. Just the way we talk about specific offices because we might not agree with or like the person in that office, whether from the, a president or a, a king all the way down to local governors or, or, or local city officials or people on the school board or our kids' teachers or mom and dad in the home. Authority, biblical authority it seems like there's just a freedom in society, a freedom in our culture to minimize it and to not respect it. Solomon says, much like Paul, much like Peter, listen, this is something God has established. And as, as Solomon's, he's, he's breaking it down. He's like, look, this has been something God has allowed under the sun in a cursed fallen world where evil will be found. And the wise person is going to think through this. And as Christians, we should be very collected when we find ourselves, whether it's in a relationship with our boss or it's in a relationship within our community to governing authorities that we might not agree with. There's a posture that Solomon, this great man of wisdom, took note of. There's a collectiveness that, that Solomon, he took note of. 
And, it, and, it, and it got him as he's pondering these things to go, now, now this would be wise. And he talks about the way of wisdom in light of evil within the world. And as we look at this, we, we too can just ponder these things and say, hey, does my life line up to, with that? Does my, does my attitude line up with that? And, and, and we must understand, I think the, the closing point that I want to make is the point that Peter made is, is all this authority that we have in our life or are given in our life, that is the will of God. And, and how we respond to that is important. It could put a positive light on Jesus. Yeah, his followers are just like him. His followers are following him. Remember when Jesus said, you know, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar and unto the Lord the things that are the Lord's. When he was saying that, he was talking about civil obedience. And that's important. When, when we look at a, a authority in the Scripture and, and, and we, we recognize it and we fall in line with it, when we submit to human governance, we are recognizing God's authority over our life. And, and this is the will of God. And by doing good, by lining up with what God's word calls us to be and do as it relates to authority, we're going to put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Think of what ignorance foolish men and women are spewing out today <laughs> about government, about what God has allowed, about God, what God has established. Think of what they're, they're, they're saying about God, about his word, and about his followers. This is one way. It's an interesting way that we can get the gospel out. This is one way that we can show the difference between those that are, are redeemed and those that are not. This is one way that we can show what the bride of Christ looks like, what the body of Christ looks like, what the church of Jesus Christ looks like. A very unique way. And in a very unique way, we can, we can silence or put to silence the ignorance of foolish men because we are walking in wisdom. Amen. Lord, again, thank you for your word. And this book of Ecclesiastes has been a blast to go through. Um, it's challenging. It's, it's uplifting. And it's even exhilarating at times. But it gives us great insight the that, that helps us understand how we got to line our life up in order to be wise. And Lord, in any of these areas that we might find ourselves struggling in, we pray that you'd help us. Maybe just in our heart, we, we carry something in our heart towards authority. Some, maybe it's the government or, or authority in our life at some level that just is not pleasing to you. We pray you would show us that, man, and, and you would convict us of that and that, man, we would repent of that. We would turn away from that. And, and Lord, we, we pray that we would be all that this wise man, this wise leader, is been encouraged by Solomon to be. We pray we would line up with that. We would, this would mark our life. And we pray that it would bring great glory to you. It would shine a positive light on you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.